Hey guys, this is Becky and Casey. We're recording a special edition of The Talk the day after President Trump's State of the Union address. So I was made aware today that someone was tested for Ebola at the University of Pennsylvania Hospital, which is a bit concerning, and I low-key feel like I'm dying of Ebola myself. Luckily, the test came back negative, no Ebola in Philadelphia, but both Becky and I are super sick right now, so enjoy our nasally commentary on the State of the Union address. So, so ratchet. We're going to be giving you our take on what happened last night of the biggest event in politics uh, each year. We're also gonna be giving you some sound clips throughout the event and catch you up on what happened if you weren't able to watch it live. Trump's call for unity appeared to be surface level. He was arguing for bipartisanship, but continued to associate the southern border wall with, southern border wall with crime, uh, drug cartels, and quote, organized migrant caravans. This was one of the longest State of the Union addresses in the history of our country. Also, last year, Trump's speech was one of the longest State of the Union speeches of the history of our country. He tends to give long, rambling speeches that have no substance. (laughs) Uh, Throughout the entire speech, there was no plan to address the opioid crisis. There was no plan to address climate change or income inequality. There was no plan at all, no substance in his speech other than he wants a wall and he thinks that we should unify around his ultra-conservative message. Yeah, mostly the speech revolved around the wall, which pretty much indicates to me that there will be a second government shutdown in a few weeks' time. It was laughable to me when he continued to go on about unity when it directly contradicts his own hyper-partisan and ultra-conservative ideology meant to exclude everyone who isn't a white, a white straight man. It's like actions are louder than words. So Trump thinks that every year he can come uh, into the House of Representatives and give this big, momentous speech about unity, but the next day he'll be on Twitter attacking Democrats, attacking this, attacking that. His actions don't speak for his words, and that's why this is yet another State of the Union address with no substance. And honestly, the big takeaway is that Trump lives in his own French vanilla fantasy. Yep, very true. So Becky and I both chose sound bites from the big speech last night. We're going to play them for you so you can hear them, and we're going to talk about them after. An economic miracle is taking place in the United States, and the only thing that can stop it are foolish wars, politics, or ridiculous partisan investigations. If there is going to be peace and legislation, there cannot be war and investigation. It just doesn't work that way. We must be united at home 
to defeat our adversaries abroad. This new era of cooperation can start with finally confirming the more than 300 highly qualified nominees who are still stuck in the Senate, in some cases, years and years waiting. Not right. To me, this was one of the biggest moments of the night. Trump used his State of the Union address to disavow the Robert Mueller investigation investigating Russia's involvement in the 2016 election and if Trump had colluded with them. I thought it was really a disgraceful moment for him to attack the special counsel's work, especially considering how many indictments uh, have arisen from the investigation. I think it just showed Trump's fear of Robert Mueller and how he really does see it's the biggest obstacle for him to win re-election. Robert Mueller is a bad, he, Trump has a lot to be nervous about. But to me, it still is crazy how well he bounces back every single day. Crazy, crazy. Now, Republicans and Democrats must join forces again to confront an urgent national crisis. Congress has 10 days left to pass a bill that will fund our government, protect our homeland, and secure our very dangerous southern border. Now is the time for Congress to show the world that America is committed to ending illegal immigration and putting the ruthless coyotes, cartels, drug dealers, and human traffickers out of business. speak, large, organized caravans are on the march to the United States. We have just heard that Mexican cities, in order to remove the illegal immigrants from their communities, are getting trucks and buses to bring them up to our country in areas where there is little border protection. I have ordered another 3,750 troops to our southern border to prepare for this tremendous onslaught. This is a moral issue. The lawless state of our southern border is a threat to the safety, security, and financial well-being of all America. We have a moral duty to create an immigration system that protects the lives and jobs of our citizens. This includes our obligation to the millions of immigrants living here today who followed the rules and respected our laws. Legal immigrants enrich our nation and strengthen our society in countless ways. I want people 
to come into our country in the largest numbers ever, but they have to come in legally. Trump's entire array of statements about immigration was full of a lot of factually incorrect things. He argues for bipartisanship, but continues to associate the southern border wall with crime and drug cartels and, quote, organized migrant caravans uh, put together by governments of by governments of foreign countries. And that's actually very factually incorrect. Um, He also uses a lot of incorrect, vague statistics, saying that one third of women are sexually assaulted. When investigated, that was actually a study of 56 women, which is clearly not representative of uh, all all people who cross the border illegally. He continues to just associate illegal immigration with crime and uh, doesn't really account for the humanitarian crises going on in these countries that cause people to emigrate. Yeah, he has no empathy, no sympathy for the people who are fleeing the serious uh, and dangerous conditions of their of their home countries. One thing I found incredibly interesting was Trump went on a rant about how much he loved legal immigration and how we need to bring in a ton of legal immigrants. We want to be the place, the country that legal immigrants go. Yet his own immigration, uh, his own administration is attempting to reduce legal immigration. I just think this is yet another moment of hypocrisy in Trump's speech. The yes. whole thing was oh, just a big sure. hypocritical party for him and and his own political party. His isolationist policies. Do you support abolishing ICE? He he emphasized that he said he would quote never abolish our heroes from ICE. What are your thoughts on that? I don't support abolishing ICE. Mm-hmm. I support a serious and fundamental change to the way ICE is structured. I think there is unconscionable amount of corruption in ICE, and I think there needs to be serious structural changes into the way they operate. I agree. More humanitarian assistance, uh, more law enforcement. They could allocate their resources way better. As you probably know, Stacey Abrams was selected to give the Democratic response for this year's State of the Union address. It made history because Stacey Abrams is the first black woman to give the Democratic response. I think that Stacey is the future of our party, and I really actually thought it was interesting that Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi the uh, head of the Senate and head of the House of Representatives decided on Stacey as the response, especially because she has no elected position right now. She lost her governor Georgia race in the midterm elections very narrowly, and her whole life's work has been on uh, restoring voting rights. I thought it was a very stark contrast to Trump's speech. So here are some clips from her response. My family understood firsthand that while success is not guaranteed, we live in a nation where opportunity is possible. But we do not succeed alone. In these United States, when times are tough, 
We can persevere because our friends and neighbors will come for us. Our first responders will come for us. It is this mantra, this uncommon grace of community that has driven me to become an attorney, a small business owner, a writer, and most recently, the Democratic nominee for governor of Georgia. My reason for running was simple. I love our country and its promise of opportunity for all. And I stand here tonight because I hold fast to my father's credo. Together, we are coming for America, for a better America. We can do so much more. Take action on climate change. Defend individual liberties with fair-minded judges. But none of these ambitions are possible without the bedrock guarantee of our right to vote. Let's be clear. Voter suppression is real. From making it harder to register and stay on the rolls, to moving and closing polling places, to rejecting lawful ballots, we can no longer ignore these threats to democracy. While I acknowledge the results of the 2018 election here in Georgia, I did not, and we cannot, accept efforts to undermine our right to vote. That's why I started a nonpartisan organization called Fair Fight to advocate for voting rights. This is the next battle for our democracy, one where all eligible citizens can have their say about the vision we want for our country. We must reject the cynicism that says allowing every eligible vote to be cast and counted is a power grab. Americans understand that these are the values our brave men and women in uniform and our veterans risk their lives to defend. The foundation of our moral leadership around the globe is free and fair elections, where voters pick their leaders, not where politicians pick their voters. In this time of division and crisis, we must come together and stand for and with one another. America has stumbled time and again on its quest towards justice and equality. But with each generation, we have revisited our fundamental truths, and where we falter, we make amends. We fought Jim Crow with the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act. Yet we continue to confront racism from our past and in our present, which is why we must hold everyone from the highest offices to our own families accountable for racist words and deeds and call racism what it is, wrong. America achieved a measure of reproductive justice in Roe v. Wade, but we must never forget it is immoral to allow politicians to harm women and families to advance a political agenda. We affirmed marriage equality, and yet the LGBTQ community remains under attack. So even as I am very disappointed by the president's approach to our problems, I still don't want him to fail, but we need him to tell the truth and to respect his duties and respect the extraordinary diversity that defines America. Our progress has always been found in the refuge, in the basic instinct of the American experiment, to do right by our people. And with a renewed commitment to social and economic justice, we will create a stronger America together. Because America wins by fighting for our shared values against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That is who we are. And when we do so, never wavering, 
the state of our union will always be strong. Thank you. And may Becky, God bless the Becky, what are your thoughts on Stacey Abrams' response? I think it's really important that Stacey Abrams appeal to all Americans. I think that um, the Trump, I think income inequality is, gro well, this isn't something that I think, this is something that is a fact. Income inequality is growing in the United States. And it's really good that she's calling that out. And I think it's also especially marked that she called out voter suppression. I mean, on the Republican agenda, they want people to be able to present IDs when they vote, which is clearly an act of voter suppression. But I also, but I do think that it was still interesting um, hearing her talk so much about the importance of voting when clearly uh, voting outcomes were influenced in now, like, what got Trump elected, you know? What do you think? I loved when she said that we do not succeed alone. And the fact that she highlighted the community and the diversity of America and the need for us to come together and not just to come together to support an ultra, you know, left or right ideology. It was a call to us to, for us to come together and work on our issues, things that we all agree on, like voter suppression. I mean, this new Democratic Congress, voter suppression is the number one top ag agenda piece. And I thought she did that really well. I think voter, I think <clears throat> voting is caring for your fellow Americans in a way. It's voting for what you think is best for your country. Stacey was also the perfect person to give this State of the Union response because she's so involved in, because she's so involved in stopping voter suppression. She is a, a, a huge leader in that fight. So Trump definitely gave his speech to rich America. Yes. <laughs> and Stacey gave her speech to real America. For sure. She explained very eloquently the reality of American middle, the American middle class. And Trump has no clue what that is. Also, some really great moments Poetry from sense. last night yes. was Nancy Pelosi's iconic clapback. <gasps> Trump was essentially talking about how we needed to end revenge politics, which I think was probably the most hypocritical part of the night because Trump's political brand is essentially revenge. Attack your enemies, get revenge on your enemies and destroy them and blend them up into a pulp until they can't fight anymore. That's how he won the Republican nomination. Yet he's going to sit here and say, we need to end you know, uh, revenge politics. Nancy stood up, looked at him, and started clapping with this weird face on. And I just died laughing. It's a meme. It's everywhere online. And I love her. It's also important to mention that the Democratic Congresswomen were wearing white last night as an act of solidarity. They also handed out white ribbons to Democratic Congressmen. For us. Thanks for tuning in to this special edition of The Talk. You can listen to us every other Sunday on your favorite podcast streaming site. We do not succeed alone. In these United States, when times are tough, we can persevere because our friends and neighbors will come for us.